Matthew chapter number 6. I've really enjoyed the singing today and the music and uh, looking forward to preaching this message on the series, Getting Back to Basics. We're in our fourth message today, and we're going to talk about getting back to a powerful prayer life. How many of you here this morning want to have a powerful prayer life? I, I want to have that. That's something I desire. And so this message is really for me today. I hope it's a help to you as well. We're in Matthew chapter number six. For most of us, we would know Matthew six is the passage where Jesus records his prayer. It's known as the Lord's prayer to most. And so Matthew chapter number six, look at verse five. And Jesus says, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to stand, they love to pray standing in the synagogues, and in the corner of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy what church? Closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain what? Repetitions, as the heathen do. For they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. By the way, isn't that a comfort? I said, isn't that a comfort? God knows what you need. Look at, uh, look at here at verse 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye. So Jesus gives us a pattern to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Why don't you read with me verse 10. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And then Jesus goes on into verse 14 and he explains something else. He says, if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men <clears throat> their trespass, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. As we get back to the basics of prayer, I want to remind you of the first sermon of this series. In Revelation chapter number 2, when God is talking to the church at Ephesus, he comes to the church and he says to them, you have left your first what? You've left your first love. Remember, Ephesus had a very strong uh, uh, love for Christ in the beginning. They came to Christ. They uh, began to get right with him. They even brought their very expensive books and very expensive literature that they used to worship their false gods. They brought those things together and they burned them. And the Bible says that they were it was worth a lot of money, millions of dollars in our currency today. And so this church comes to Christ and there is a revival that takes place. If you read the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 1 through 6, you can see that the church is wanting to serve the Lord and they have a great love for God. But something happens to the church. We talked about it in the message. They had a loveless labor. They were laboring. They were working, but yet they did not have that love for Christ. So something happened to this church, the church at Ephesus. And Christ warns them. What does he say? He says, I will remove thy what? Thy what? Candlestick, your light of influence if you do not repent and return to the first works. And so this series, getting back to, the, back to basics, is about us as Christians. Now, how many of you, because of coronavirus and all the things that have happened, your schedule is still off? 
Anybody else? I, we're just kind of getting back into it, but your schedule gets off. Kids are at home. I, I tell you, I pray for you moms that are dealing with multiple kids trying to do school, and I don't know how you do it. I honestly don't. I'm praying for you that God would help you and having school, and, and some of you don't, you're not back to work. There's all these things, but also in our spiritual life now, in our spiritual life, I don't know how many people have come to me in the last several months and have made a comment, something like this, Pastor, I need to get back. I need to get back to the way I used to. I need to get back to serving the way I used to. I need to get back to church attendance like I used to. I've heard that a lot. And why is that? We've gotten away from some things. And so this message, this series is about us as Christians getting back to the basics of what God wants us to do. We talked about the joy of our salvation. Aren't you glad you're saved this morning? Talked about that. We also talked about last week, discipleship. What is a true disciple? Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And so we have our salvation, we have our discipleship. Now we're going to talk today about prayer. And I believe really in the life of a Christian, there is no greater work than prayer. Let me say that again. In the life of a Christian, there is no greater work than prayer. Father, I pray that you bless the message today. I fail in this area of prayer. You know that, Lord. I pray that our hearts would be challenged today, God, through your word. I pray, Lord, that we would make a decision individually and collectively as a church to pray more, to spend more time with you, to have a powerful prayer life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Research shows that about half of Americans say that they pray every day. Half of Americans. Out of that half of Americans, if you look at statistics, the average American supposedly prays somewhere between 2 and 16 minutes a day. I think, though, that it would be safe to say, and I think you would agree with me on this, I think it would be safe to say that the vast majority of Christians do not pray more than a few minutes every day. Say, Pastor, how do I know that? Because I am most Christians, and so are you. And I do my best to have a prayer time, but the truth is, is we all struggle in this area of prayer. I would say it's even safer to say that the vast majority of Christians do not have a powerful prayer life. And how many recognize today that in the the state in which our country is, and the state of which our political system is, and the state of which our our public education system, and, and all of the things that we see in the state of churches today, and even the state of our own hearts today, how many recognize that we need to get back to prayer? We need to get back to it. Back to a powerful, if, if, if somebody is going to pray for this country, it has to be us. If somebody is going to pray that God will uh, come back and revive us again and revive our hearts and revive our homes and revive our churches, it must be us that prays. We must pray. Who else is going to pray if we don't pray? I have a question for you. Does anybody here have a, any problems? If you have a problem, raise your hand. Not like right this second, like I have a problem. No, we all have problems, amen? We all have things that we're struggling with and I'm not gonna go into details. I don't want you to think about that. I just want you to think about this. J.R.I. said it this way, all of our problems are prayer problems. We have a hard time with our prayer lives. How many would recognize today that we need revival? We need revival personally. And all God's people said, Brother Ehrlich shared with me yesterday, you went out soloing with David, and you guys got to see someone uh, saved yesterday. Is that true? Isn't that a blessing? 
He got to pray with somebody who was on, whose daughter was on life support yesterday. Thank you for doing that. We need revival. I'm going to keep saying that till, till we recognize it. We need revival. We need revival. We need revival. Churches need revival. Personally, we need revival. Have you ever thought about this? Revival is impossible without revival in prayer. So the Bible is full of examples on how to pray. You can look, up, you can look to Daniel. You can look to many in the, men in the Bible. But I think for the sake of, uh, of learning about getting back to a powerful prayer life, let's get back to what Jesus said about praying. So number one, if you're taking notes today, uh, I want to get back to a powerful prayer life. What do I need to do to do that? Number one, it's very simple. Powerful prayer is secret prayer. Powerful prayer is secret prayer. Look at what Jesus says in verse 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the what? Hypocrites are. How many of you, when, how many of you remember when cell phones came out? All right, you remember those days? Some of the younger people in the room may not remember this. But when I was uh, probably about 17, 16 or 17, cell phones started becoming popular. And um, you, would, you would know this because you'd be standing in the grocery store and you would hear that guy who wanted everyone to know that he had a cell phone. The, the loud cell phone talker guy. How many know what I'm talking about? Hey, how you doing, Bob? Yeah, I'm talking on my cell phone. Yeah, it's a cell phone. Yeah, I know. I'm in the grocery store. And remember those days? Now it's like, dude, what are you doing? Be quiet, you know? He can hear you. Um, but the, that person, he's not talking on the phone to the other person for the other person's sake. He's talking loud so that everybody knows he has a cell phone. That's how these hypocrites are. They're not talking to God because they want to have a conversation with God. The hypocrites, they come before others and they only pray when they're around others. And they only pray when somebody else is going to hear them. And what does God say? They have their reward. Great prayer. That's it. How many want more out of their prayer life than that? I know I do. And so Jesus says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corner of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, you, sir, me, uh, you, uh, ma'am, when thou prayest, enter into thy what? Thy closet. There is power in the prayer closet. Let's say that together. There is power in the prayer closet. Only about half of you. Let's try it again. Ready? There is power. That's where the power is. I said, that's where the power is. It's in the prayer closet. Powerful prayer happens in a secret place when it's just you and God. It's clear here that God is not really interested in how good our prayer sounds. It's pretty clear that God is not really interested in our flowery language or how long our prayer is. He is not really impressed by how, uh, how our prayer impresses others. God is not impressed by all that. What is so important? Why is it important that we have secret prayer? Letter A, secret prayer reveals our relationship with God. Secret prayer reveals our relationship. Your relationship with God is only as strong as your prayer life. Your relationship and my relationship with God, someone might look at me and say, wow, pastor, you have such a good relationship with God. You don't know that. The only thing that tethers me to God is prayer, my prayer life. The phrase, notice the phrase Jesus says, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, shut the door, and I love this part, pray to thy father. Pray to thy father. 
I don't know, I don't know how your relationship is with your father. Some of you, you, your father may not be around anymore. I don't know. My dad is sitting right here. If you're a guest today, my dad's right here. He's the guy that looks like me over here. Much handsomer though, right? <laughs> but I know my dad and I love spending time and talking to my dad. I know that dad, if I need anything, I, all I have to do is ask him and he'll do his best to help me. Dad, I need a hundred bucks, by the way. <laughs> you should ask your mother, right? <laughs> May I say this, that he is our heavenly father. When you're speaking to him, it's not about how good you sound. Dad, I need some help. I need to talk to you. Nobody else is listening, Dad. Nobody else cares about what's going on in my life, Dad. I need to talk to you about something. He's our father. Are you with me this morning? Say, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the, str- you don't know the struggles I've seen. <laughs> you don't know what's going on in my life. Yeah, but your father does. And all, he's not interested in how many adjectives you use. Dad, you're so amazing. You're so awesome. You're so wonderful. Dad, you're the best dad in the whole world. I guess you do care about that. Anyway, God cares about our relationship, and our prayer reveals our relationship with him. How many of you, parents in the room, you would rather that your kids would obey you privately than flatter you publicly? Don't tell me what a great dad I am if you're not going to take out the trash. Amen. Oh, I'm a good dad. Go take out, go feed the dog. Amen. You know, and, and so God is after our obedience more than just flattery, flattering him in front of other people. <laughs> Yesterday I was out soul winning with Callum and Callum is my youngest son. He's five and he's at that age where he's brutally honest. How many, how many of you parents know what I'm talking about? It's like, shh, don't say that, please. Don't do that. And so we're out. And if you don't know what soul winning is, our church goes out every week, every week on Saturday. And we give out little, little pieces of paper that tell people about our church. It tells people about how to get to heaven when they die. And we just go door to door and we tell people about Christ. And so I was with my five-year-old son. We were doing a, uh, just a couple streets in Western Ranch. And so we're walking up and down the streets there. And we come up to this, uh, this, this garage and a guy was out there working on his car. And uh, I always have Callum give people the little piece of paper because they never say no to him. It's the best. It's my secret weapon. So Callum runs up there and he gives the guy a, a track and we call it a track, a little piece of paper about our church. And I say, hey, we want to invite you to church. We're open, blah, 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 going through it with him. And so we go to leave and we're walking out of the driveway and Callum says, dad, and we're only this far away from him. He goes, dad, that guy is huge. That guy is huge, dad. And I said, shit, shit, quiet, quiet. You know, and I'm, I'm grabbing his arm, like walk a little faster. So we get down to the thing. I'm like, I'm like, son, you can't say that. You can't say that someone's huge. You just don't say that. And, and he goes, but he is, dad. He's huge. He's making these big, he's, look at him. He's huge. <laughs> it looks like it could be either a fly or a spider up there. I can't tell, but he says, he's huge, dad. He's huge. See, now you're looking at that. Then we walk around the corner. If it didn't get any worse, we walk around the corner and, uh, and, and there's a guy out there washing his car and there, he has another car in his driveway and the car got a little like a fender bender on the front. And, and Callum says, dad, look at that guy's janky car over there. I'm like, son, stop talking. It's his older brothers. It's not me. It's his older brothers. And so and th- then that's not all. So then we walk a little further. This is the last time I'm going soul with him. Then I walk a little further. And uh, there's an open garage door and there's a guy in there. Boy, he had a sharp car in there and, and he was cutting someone's hair. And I walk in there and I said, how you doing, man? He said, good. Gave him a gospel track, talked to him a little bit. Man, he's a beautiful car. 
And we're walking out. And he had music in the background. I, couldn't, I wasn't really paying attention. And so we're walking out. We didn't even get out of the guy's driveway. And Callum says, why is he listening to rock and roll, Dad? Isn't that bad music? <laughs> Son, quiet. You know. And uh, I want my, and, and we get to the end of the, the driveway. And I got down on my knees. I said, Son, I said, don't say anything else today. <laughs> we talked about you know, how he should say something nice. If he wants to say something, say something nice. And I want my kids to obey me. It's not about flattering me as their father. It, I want them to obey me. I want them to listen to what I'm saying. And it's obvious, uh, it's obvious in our life. It's, it, it's obvious to me. When I'm not obeying God, I don't have the right relationship with him. When I'm not obeying God, I, I'm not going to have a good prayer life. And so prayer, secret prayer, reveals my relationship with him. Letter B this morning, secret prayer results in rewards from God. It results in rewards from God. Thy, thy father, which seeth in secret, shall what? Reward thee openly. Throughout the New Testament, Jesus gives many examples of him praying. Him praying secretly, Matthew 14, 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to a mountain apart to pray. Mark chapter number 1, verse 35. In the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place. Why? To pray. Mark 6, 46, Jesus, after he sent them away, he departed again into a mountain to what? To what, church? Jesus didn't just talk about praying in a secret place. He modeled that ministry for us, praying alone with the Father. Why did Jesus spend so much time alone with his Father? Why did Christ spend so much time in a solitary place with his Father? Because Jesus, look up here, Jesus knew the secret to getting rewards from God. He knew that if he spent time with God alone, he would get the rewards from God. And church family today, how many of you have some things that you need from God? And we need to get into that secret place with God. How many of you ever go to the store and you see a product on the shelf and you see that product and it's a name brand product. And then right next to it, usually there's a what? There's an off brand or a knockoff product. How many of you, you know, you know that the name brand product works better? How many think, no, the off brand works just fine? Oh, you cheap people. Anyway, no, I'm just kidding. Once in a while, I'll get a headache. Anybody here get migraines? Migraines are, are, are a nightmare. Once in a while, I'll get a, I'll get a headache. And if I don't take care of it, it'll turn into a migraine. And so when I get a headache, I want that headache to go away. I don't want to play games with that headache. Once in a while, I'll be at someone's house and I'll start getting a headache. And I'll say something like, do you have any Advil? I want Advil. I don't want Bville. Amen. I want Advil, liquid gels, amen? And they'll say, well, I have Tylenol. Or they'll come back with this bottle and there's this little M&M looking thing and these little brown things. I don't want that. I want the real deal. Can I just say that in our life as Christians, we don't have to settle for the off-brand prayer life. We have access to the real deal. And all God's people said, and it's effective our prayers are effective. We don't have to settle for the knockoff brand. We have access to the real deal. I don't know about you, but I have some things in my life that I'm praying about that I need answers. I need results, and I can't do anything about it. So I'm asking God, God, this headache won't go away. God, I need results. And God is the one who rewards openly. Too often, time, though, too often though, 
we don't go to God with our prayers. We try to fix it ourselves. That's the knockoff version. We go on Facebook and we tell our prayer requests on Facebook. Knockoff version. I'm not saying don't share prayer requests. That's not what I'm saying. But sometimes we, we go to a brother who we know can help us. Man, I just, I'm praying that God would provide me a truck. I know you have an extra one. <laughs> you know, so, no, no, no. We go to God for results. And if we ever needed the Lord today, if we ever needed results from God, today is the day. I don't know if you're noticing, but around this country is falling apart. And our political system is a mess. And we have a lot of issues and a lot of problems. And instead of complaining about it, instead of going to other people and putting it on Facebook and having little parties about what's going on, what we ought to be doing is getting in our prayer closet and begging God to do something. I tell you, we ought to be begging God for our teenagers. And we ought to be begging God for our churches. Somebody say amen. We ought to be begging God for our country. But instead, we talk about it. No, we need to get, we ought to talk about it too, but we need to get in our prayer closets because there are some things that we need from the Lord and we're settling for the knockoff versions when we could have the real deal. Prayer in the secret place. How many of us are spending time in our prayer closets for this election? Sharing memes isn't going to help. If you don't know what a meme is, don't worry about it. We need to be in our prayer closets. I'm preaching to myself right now. I need to beg. We need to beg God for our country and ask him, God, we need revival. We need help. We need help. There's power in the prayer closet. I said there's power in the prayer closet. You want to fix this country, get in your prayer closet. There's power there. Amen. I see that if we're going to have a powerful prayer life, it needs to be a secret. We need to have secret prayer lives and uh, have a prayer closet. But number two today, powerful prayer is specific prayer. Jesus goes on. He says, don't pray like the hypocrites standing up and, and making a big show about it. It's about how you pray in the secret place. And then he comes to this next point. And then he says, verse seven, but when you pray, use not what church? Use not what? Vain repetitions. Let's say that. Ready? Vain, that word vain means empty. In other words, just saying things over and over again. Don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. They think that because of a formula, they're going to get from God what they want. If you want a new car, it's 100 prayers. If you want to pray your your relative out of uh, purgatory or whatever, it's 500 prayers. That is not how God works. That's not how he works. Jesus tells us right here, don't use vain repetitions. And if it wasn't clear that men have foolish hearts, they've even turned the Lord's prayer into a vain repetition. God's not telling us to just pray this Lord's prayer. He's saying after this manner, it's a pattern for we pray. Yes, you can pray, pray the Lord's prayer. And if, that, if that's something that you like to do, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But our prayer life should not stop there. That should not be our prayer life is the Lord's prayer. We ought to have specific things that we're asking God for. Why does Jesus teach us not to pray repetitiously, but why does he teach us to pray specifically? Letter A here, because specific prayer rejects that repetition with God. God is not interested in us praying to him the same things over and over again. How many of you pray as a family before you eat? Anybody? Anybody? All right, you pray before you eat. In my house, I have four boys. Ben, if I don't keep my prayer short, food's going to go missing off the table during the prayer. And so I always pray the same thing. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you do for us. Thank you for this delicious food that mommy made us. Help us to have a good night tonight. Please keep everyone safe. In Jesus' name, amen. That's the prayer I pray almost every night. It's very repetitious. 
But that ought not be my prayer in my prayer time. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day. I pray that you bless the whole world, bless all the missionaries, bless all the church people. In Jesus' name, amen. God's not interested in that. He wants specific prayer. Here's why. When we, when we decide that repetitious prayer, in other words, how many times I pray, and we memorize the prayer, and we pray over and over again, we're taking the burden of the answer of prayer off of God and onto us. In other words, if I don't pray enough times, God won't answer my prayer. But sometimes God doesn't answer our prayer, and it's for our own good. And so we pray specifically for things so that God can answer us specifically about those things. Jesus says, don't pray like the heathen. Don't use empty, vain repetition. And so uh, think about the heathen and how the heathen prays. Heathens will pray many, many times, many, many times. They will say the same things. They will chant. Uh, A Muslim person will pray five times a day. He will quote the Quran. He will stand up, sit down, put his head on the floor. He will do this over and over again. And think about this. They do all of that. They do go through all of these things. And please forgive me if this upsets you, but it's the truth. It's the Bible truth. They're not praying to the God of the Bible. And so as they're doing all this exercise, their prayers are going nowhere. You could say that about the Buddhist. You could say that about this person. I'm not, I'm not trying to hurt anybody today. All I'm saying is the God of the Bible wants you to pray specifically to him. And so as we pray, pray specifically. Isn't it wonderful? Think about this. Isn't it wonderful that as soon as the prayer, as soon as you decide to pray, you open your mind, you start open your mouth to pray, God is listening and he's right there. The Bible tells us to approach the throne boldly, the throne of grace. We are to come before him. And it's a privilege that we have to pray to a holy God. I think sometimes, and, and, I, and I know I, I get this way too, sometimes we think that Jesus and we think that God are, are some kind of like buddy-buddy person just waiting on us to, to, to do whatever. But we're talking about a holy God. We're talking about the being, the, the entity that created the entire universe, that spoke the worlds into existence, that with just a thought, he sprayed into existence a hundred billion plus galaxies with just the vapor of his voice. We're talking Talking about the God of creation, as soon as you open your mouth, he's listening to you. What a privilege. The God of all gods is listening to me. I don't even want to listen to me. <laughs> Ian Bounds says this prayer should not be regarded as a duty which must be performed, but rather as a privilege to be enjoyed. A rare delight that is always revealing some new beauty. God wants specific prayer requests from us. Why? Let her be. Because specific prayer requests, specific prayer revives our reliance on God. If I can pray a hundred times for something, then why do I need God? Stick with my logic here. If I could pray up the steps somewhere to get somebody out of purgatory, if I could pray up the steps to get God's blessing in my life, then why do I need God? I can, I can do it without him. It's, I'm, take, I'm putting the burden of the prayer request on me. Repetitious prayer. It places the burden of the prayer request on the prayer, whereas specific prayer replaces our reliance upon God. In other words, I may not get what I want, but I'm going to get what I need. My wife and I, we were thinking about getting a truck. And so we drove up to Sacramento. We had somebody watch the kids. We had everything in place to get a truck. We had our financing. We had all these things. We you would think that if you're going to go buy a truck and you're determined to buy a truck, you could do that. You think you could do that. So we were praying about buying a truck. And so we drive up to this thing. And I'm telling you, Brother Paul, I called you that day, actually. 
talk to you about a truck. And, and I, we tried, Brother Paul, but God said no. I couldn't get those people to sell me a truck. How I many that's ever happened to you at a car lot? Yeah, right. You're leaving with something whether you like it or not. And I tried to buy a truck, and it was like God said no, not today. And on the way home, we were, my wife and I were just laughing at each other all the way home. I'm like, we tried, and God just said no, no truck today. You see, when we pray specifically for something, God answers specifically. Sometimes it's no, sometimes it's wait, sometimes it's yes. Let's do a little social experiment. You ready for this? Let's go back in time for some of you, quite a few years, some of you not so far, back to your single days, okay? Some of you are single, I know, but those of you that aren't, or when you're first starting to date, you're first starting to, you know, be interested in dating or courting or whatever you call it, and you started liking a person, how many of you prayed that somebody would like you back or fall in love with you or you get married to that person? Raise your hand, raise your hand, how many prayed for that? Now, how many are glad that that didn't happen? Have you ever prayed for something and you were glad that God said no? That's what happens when you pray specifically. Sometimes God says no. Of course, we pray for something multiple times. That doesn't mean we're repetitiously praying. If you're praying for the same thing over and over again, but it's a specific prayer request, that's not really what repetition means. A repetitious prayer is a prayer that's memorized, that you pray over and over again to gain favor with God, to gain, to get something from God. I don't think, we know, it's not that I think, we know Jesus says God's not really interested in that. He's after our reliance, relying upon him. The question is this morning, how are we relying on God today? The Bible says in James chapter number 5, verse 16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Here's a question for you and for me today. What are we trying to avail in our prayer life? What are we trying to accomplish in our prayer life? Now, most of us in the room today, we do pray for our bread every day. We, we pray for our food. And we thank God for our food. But let's just be honest. Most of us today, we, we don't need to worry about where food is coming from. We have refrigerators with food in them. We still pray for that. Don't get me wrong. But what are we relying on God for? The other day, I was at Lowe's parking lot, and my wife and I got out of the car. We could buy some stuff at Lowe's. And this little girl came up to me. She's probably 12. And she said, excuse me, sir, can you, do you have any cash to help us out? We're trying to buy some food. And, I, you know, a little kid like that, I'm like, yeah, I'd love to help. I got my wallet, no cash. My wife doesn't have any cash. I said, I'm, we're sorry, we don't have any cash. No, no, it's okay. So we went inside of Lowe's there, and we were buying some stuff. And I asked my wife, said, do you want to take them over to Walmart and see if they need some food, get them some food? And she said, absolutely. So we talked about that. We got back outside, and we saw the family there. It was a little girl and her sister, and I think their dad or grandpa or somebody, and they're asking somebody else walking past, can you help us with groceries and help us with food? We're, we're hungry, we need some food. And that person said no and walked past. And I walked up to him. I said, sir, I said, I, said, I don't have any cash. But I said, Walmart's right there, right across the street. I said, if you want to go with me to Walmart, my wife and I'd be happy to buy you whatever food you need. We'd love to help you with that. And he goes, oh, no, we're fine. No, thanks. The truth is they didn't need food. They wanted money for rent or whatever. And I'm not disparaging them, do whatever, whatever. I'm just saying they didn't really need food. How many understand what I'm saying? If they needed food, they would have said, let's go to Walmart. But they didn't need food. They wanted money for something else. 
And the truth is, a lot of us are coming to God and we're coming to him things and we're asking for things that we don't even really need. We need to come to God and we should ask for things uh, and ask him to bless and all those things. But we ought to come to God and rely on him for things that we cannot do. You say, Pastor, what are those things that we cannot do? What are things that we are relying on God for? There are many things, and I hope you recognize this morning, there are many things that we need God to do. I'm telling you right now, we need God to get rid of abortion in our country. And all God's people said, amen. We need God to do something about abortion in this country. If we don't, God is going to remove the candlestick. All I'm saying this morning is there are some things that we rely on God to do. There's broken hearts in this room. I pray for every week. God, mend that heart. There are backslidden Christians that I can't do anything about. A text message won't help. An encouraging thought won't help. But I'm praying that God will do something for them. There are wayward children represented in this room by people that I know. Their kids are far from God. And there's nothing we can do about it. It's their decision. But we're relying on God to bring them back. There are many things. What are you trying to avail in your prayer life? So, Pastor, why are you so passionate about this? Because we are not praying like we should. There are some things that we need God to do. There are some broken hearts that need to be healed. There are some sick people that need to be healed. There is joy that needs to be brought back to a heart today. There is revival that we need in our churches today. We must get back to relying on God again in our prayer life. God, can you... Give me that brand new car that I want. That's not what God's after. We need prayer in our country like never before. I said we need prayer for this country like never before. We need prayer for the harvest like never before. 3.5 billion people have never even heard the gospel one time. We need to pray about that. We need prayer. We need prayer for churches like ours. Churches are closing their doors. Why? We need to pray. We're relying on God. We need to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ like never before, that God would help them and encourage them and bring them along and Lord, help them not to fall, but to stay strong and to get back. And we need to pray like we've never prayed before. Powerful prayer is secret prayer. Powerful prayer is specific prayer. And then lastly today, and I'll close, powerful prayer is steadfast prayer. Jesus says in verse nine, after this manner, therefore pray ye. And he goes on, our Father which art in heaven, and you know the Lord's prayer. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy word be done. But then he says something interesting in verse 11, and I think that Jesus is trying to teach us something. He says, give us this, what? This day, our what? Daily bread. How often is daily? Every day. I think what Jesus is telling us here is pray every day. We need him every day. Forgive us our debts. We forgive our debtors. And he goes on. But I just want to point this out. He says in verse 11, give us this day, our daily bread, this day. The simple and most powerful truth for me is that my biggest problem with prayer is my problem with praying. It's not that prayer doesn't work. (laughs) How many understand prayer works? It's not that it doesn't work. It's just that I don't do it. Don't look at me like that. How many of you get frustrated with something? You bust your knuckles and you're pushing through life and and boy, you're trying your best. It's not working. And then you're you're reminded, I forgot to pray. It's not, there's not a problem with prayer. It's my problem with praying. Verse five says, and when thou prayest, Christ doesn't say you need to pray every day. He says, when thou prayest, he's assuming that we're going to pray. Oh, how we need to get back to consistent, fervent, steadfast, Prayer. Prayer is the greatest work. Prayer is work. 
And it's the greatest work. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. Ephesians 6, 18, pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto unto all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be careful for nothing. That means don't be anxious, don't have anxiety, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Christ is calling us to a steadfast prayer life. And this is our greatest challenge, to remain faithful to our time in prayer. Usually, in a crisis, we're right there. We could be there in a crisis. I'll never forget 9-11. I'll never forget where I was. How many remember that day? How many remember where you were? If you're a kid in the room, some of you may not remember this. But I was a senior in high school, and I was getting into my locker. I just dated myself. I'm turning 37 tomorrow. And I'm getting into my locker and I, and I remember one of my friends, hey, did you hear? Did you hear? And we started talking and we went to class and they were showing it on the news. And I remembered it like it was yesterday. An incredible time in our country. Oh, how far we've come in such a short time. Well, I'll never forget, I was living in the dorms at that time. I was in high school, but I was living with other men in the dorms there at the Bible college. And I'll never forget, men in the Bible college were literally signing up to go in the military. I'm going to the military, I want to do my part. Many actually did end up going into the military because they had this pride. But you remember one of the biggest things that happened during that time is churches and people and Christians got back to prayer. Nationally, we, begot, we, we all came together and got back to prayer. We were mobilized to prayer. We wanted to pray. We wanted to, we wanted to get in touch with God again. In a crisis, we showed up. In a crisis, we were there. And boy, when, when things happen, and, and I'm the same way you are, when someone is sick or, or when, when, when something happens in my family, boy, I want to be there. I want to pray. The difficulty comes in with every day, every day prayer. When nothing's going on, and it's just tomorrow. <laughs> That's where the difficulty comes in. Powerful prayer is steadfast prayer. Not even, and yes, during emergencies, but during everyday prayer time. I thank God for prayer warriors in our church. I think about ladies that come up to me, older ladies, and they say, Pastor, I'm praying for you. Well, I tell you, that does something for me. Knowing that somebody's praying for me, and, and, and I know my, my parents, and I know you have people praying for you. Steadfast prayer. The question is this morning, and I'm done, is are we praying are we praying more than just a few minutes a day? Is this something that we need to get back to? A basic that we need to get back to? Remember, God is not looking for a memorized prayer. He's looking for a relationship with you. God is looking for you to spend time with him in that secret place, just you and him, that special time with just you and the Lord. Perhaps you need to get back to specific prayer and move away from the generalities into praying for specific things, relying on God, asking him to do what we cannot do. Perhaps today you've fallen away from that steadfast prayer. And we're just kind of going from emergency to emergency, but we're not spending time with God like we should. What about you today? I found this poem, and boy, it spoke to my heart. This is really how I am sometimes, and I'm sure you could identify with this. I got up early one morning and rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish, I didn't take time to pray. Problems just tumbled about me and heavier came each task. Why doesn't God help me? I wondered. And he answered, you didn't ask. I tried to come into God's presence. I used all my keys at the lock. God gently and lovingly chided, son, you didn't knock. 
I wanted to see joy and beauty. I, I wanted to, but the day toiled on, gray and bleak. I wondered why God didn't show me, and he answered, because you didn't seek. I woke up early this morning, and I paused before the day. I had so much to accomplish, I had to take time to pray. Let's pray together this morning and close the service. Father, I pray that you would remind us all to get back into the prayer closet 